Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to hit the follow button. Also, give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome back. This is Bree, and I'm here with my co-host, Lisa. Today, we have a great guest with us. I think all of our recurring listeners will get why we are super excited for this conversation, since we do meditate at the end of every episode, and we have advocated time and time again the importance of breath work. Our guest today is Don Riddle. She is currently the MHSA Program Specialist with Alpine County Behavioral Health Services. She has held a few positions throughout the county, including at our local K-8 school. She currently offers meditation through Zoom twice a week to Alpine County residents. Let's go ahead and welcome our guest, Don Riddle. Hi, Bree and Lisa. It's great to be here with you. It's so good to have you. I am so excited. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. We've spoken man, a lot about meditation on the podcast. So I'm beyond excited to hear from who I would call a meditation expert and really ask you, you know, some of the questions that I think a lot of people might have um, or might be curious about when it comes to meditation, especially for people that might just be starting that journey into meditation. And I'm really excited for you to discuss some of the benefits from it. I know there's plenty of them, but before we dive in, to our little conversation about meditation. We always start off with some fun questions just to get our conversation going. So Dawn, my first question for you, we're playing Desert Island. If you are stranded on a desert island, you can bring one movie and one book. Which movie and book would you bring and why? Wow, that's a hard question. Um, Let's see. I think I would have to bring, I would have to bring my Suraflow book, my meditation training book, just because I go back to it often. Mm-hmm. Um, it has great reminders in it and um, excellent meditations that, you know, I do on a regular basis. And I just think that that would be kind of my comfort book to bring with me. Um, and as far as a movie, Wow. I am not a huge movie person as far as remembering movies and that kind of thing. Um, but the one that comes to mind, it, this is crazy, but I would bring The Sound of Music. Great answer. That, that old it. movie. <laughs> it's just super uplifting. And if I was by myself on a desert island, I think I would need to be uplifted because I'm a pretty social person. That's a good point. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and also you can just be like belting out all the songs and there's no one there, you know? So I think that'd be like a very, like, that's a really good idea. You know, you're going to be by yourself like that. Yeah. Bring something super fun, super enjoyable and something you can sing along to at the top of your lungs. And there's no one there to, you know, question you on it. I love that. Right. And singing is really good for you as far as a meditation too. Singing, the vibration, yeah, the vibration of singing is, it actually stimulates your vagus nerve, which we're learning a ton about, um, and especially through meditation on on the vagus nerve, it is 
um, there's just a lot of new research coming out about it. So it's a pretty interesting um, vibration, like singing, like gargling, um, humming. Those are all really good for toning your vagus nerve. See, we're not even into the meditation yet, and already we're getting great, <laughs> great knowledge. That always happens without fail for our I guests. Know. These intro questions are not intended to be related to the content we're talking about, mm -hmm. but our guests are just so dedicated to their craft that they always bring it up in the fun questions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So singing in the shower is like two types of meditation because you have like the water relaxation and you're singing then, right? So that's like meditation. Yeah. Singing in the shower, just being in the shower being mindful in the shower. Mindfulness is, um, I don't think you can say enough about mindfulness in daily life, really, because it is it is a meditation. You know, if whatever you're doing, you're doing it with your full attention, uh, you're meditating. So, yeah, singing in the shower is a good one. Yeah, that's what I thought of when you talked about singing, because I usually sing in the shower or in the car, so... Oh, I don't yeah. think I don't think driving helps out, but I was like, oh, maybe the water of the shower like brings out my meditative state. That's where I sing. <laughs> like a nice two for one. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. All right, our next fun question here. If you could have one superpower, what superpower would you choose and why? You guys are really good at these fun questions. You're really making me think. This is why we don't send them to you beforehand, because we love keeping you on your toes. Right. That's, well, you're doing that. <laughs> and that's good. Um, let's see. Superpower. I think if I had one superpower, it would be able to communicate with animals. Like, just like to know what they're thinking and know what they're saying. Yes. I, I think that often with when I'm around animals, that if I could only, if I could only understand what you're thinking right now. That'd be great. And a lot of times you can, but it's those times that you can't, that that would be a great superpower. Oh, totally. And I'm thinking too, like I'm going away for a few weeks in July and I keep saying, I'm like, I wish I could just tell them I'm just going on vacation. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm worried, you know, like what if they just think I'm not coming back? And I'm like, if only you guys could just understand, I'll be back in a week and a half, you know? So yeah, that would be a great superpower to have, you know? Right. Right. Yes. It's right. like, I'm coming yeah. back, buddy. I'm coming back. I'm just going out, you know? Yeah, no. I, oh, that would be a lovely superpower to have. And one I don't generally hear when we ask that question or like one that I have thought about. So mm -hmm. love that. All right. So Don, our last fun question for you. And we ask this question of every single guest. If you could have lunch with anyone throughout time, past, present, fictional, non-fictional, who would it be and why? So that would be my grandmother. Um, when my grandmother was alive here on this planet, she was my very best friend, my biggest uh, cheerleader. She taught me so many things in the way of life skills, cooking, 
um, which I love to this day. It's one of my best meditative activities. We take your grandmother for that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, she was just a wonderful teacher, and she had – She had a beautiful way of seeing other people's perspectives and had such an open mind for a woman her age and of her time. And I just really admired that. And there's so many things that have happened since she passed away um, that I would love to consult with her on. So, So it would definitely be my grandma. Yeah, one of Don's roles with the county is cooking for a lunch every Friday and various other events. And so that's why I said we're very thankful for her grandmother teaching her to cook (laughs) because now we all benefit from it. So I feel like we sort of have that connection to your grandmother in that way. And that's that's really special. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to grandma. Yes. <laughs> and I love that relationship. I think that has come up before and I've talked about with my daughter. I really value the relationship that she has with my husband's mom because I can see how that's developing. And I have a really special relationship with my grandmother too. So I think it's a really special bond. Something about that skip generation is is really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, I when you asked the question, I thought... Oh, gosh, you know, I mean, that's, that's a tough question, too, just because there's so many people that would be so great to have lunch with, right? Right. (laughs) I mean, famous people and um, wise people. And yeah, but grandma wins. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right. So we are ready to jump into our questions we have for you about meditation. Okay. Um, we we have shared a few insights with our listeners just over a few episodes about why meditation is beneficial, you know, letting them know why we do it at the end of each episode. But we're really excited to hear more from, like Lisa said, our expert on this topic. So this first question is kind of a two-parter. So what physical benefits does meditation provide? And are there any kind of unexpected benefits of meditation that folks should know about? Maybe when you normally think of meditation, you don't think of this benefit, something like that. Okay. Um, Yeah, I hear you. Um, First of all, I am not an expert. I, I think learning about meditation is a lifelong process. I, I have new insights through meditation on a regular basis, and I find out just how much I don't know. Right. So um, thank you for, you know, offering that up. But uh, there are there are people out there that are way beyond my expertise, but I'll do the best I can here with you with with what I know. Um, and let's see the the physical benefits uh, that I know of and that there's a lot of research. There's a lot of evidence based information out there about Obviously, the very first thing and maybe the most important thing is that meditation has been proven to reduce stress. And I think 95, maybe 99% of people could really use a hand with stress reduction in this day and age in particular. Just all the environmental challenges, all of, you know, just just the way our lives have become so busy and Um, complicated. So reduction of stress is a huge one. 
that kind of leads into, it's also been proven to lower your blood pressure. Um, if you meditate on a regular basis, and even for 10 minutes a day, they've done research showing that 10 minutes a day of meditation um, done twice a day has significantly lowered people's blood pressure, especially those that were, um, you know, in that high, high area of blood pressure. Wow. It has helped them significantly. And so it's really, it's really beneficial for your cardiovascular health in general. And blood pressure is where that starts, I think. So there's that. Um, there have been studies done showing uh, that people who meditate on a regular basis have stronger immune systems. And, you know, how the science measures that, I really don't have any clue about that. Um, I just know the studies that I've read um, have that evidence behind them. So, you know, a healthy immune system is one of the best things you can have for um, preventing other, you know, chronic diseases in particular, right? So um, when you meditate, science has also shown that you produce dopamine. And dopamine is that feel-good chemical um, that a lot of times when people are depressed or anxious and depressed, maybe that combination um, they're lacking the production of dopamine. Some medications, I believe, actually help increase that production. But if you can just right. meditate and not medicate, um, that, that would be my preference. That would be my preference. So um, it's worth a try, right? If, you, if you're having to take medication for anxiety or depression, mm -hmm. um, meditation uh, has been proven to have that benefit as yeah. well. So it's like, why not try it? Right. Nothing to lose. Right. And then they have a study that they did that I just read about um, with children and they have schools now that are implementing meditation um, in different ways. Like I read about one where uh, they actually, instead of having like a timeout or um, you know, some form of punishment or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that, they actually have brought meditation or a meditation space where a child can go to, you know, self-regulate, yeah, calm down. And uh, it shows that if you meditate over time, uh, that you can actually improve your self-control and your self-regulation. So with kids, um, that is an that's an outstanding skill for them to be able to develop. So. Absolutely. I was just going to say, you know, I have a two-year-old now, so we've definitely been working on, I know that she's not really capable of a lot of emotional regulation at this age, but I've been working on at least building healthy habits with it. You know, you're not always, um, doing something unhealthy just to like make it stop quickly, but like helping her right. work through and feel supported in those emotions. And so hearing that maybe when she gets to school, there might be that same supportive space mm -hmm. when she's having a tough time, that would sound like something I'd be really interested in. Yeah. Right. And some schools that I've, I've um, heard of are actually implementing meditation into the school day. 
um, you know, when kids come back from lunch, typically, and I talk about this because I did work in the school um, for 16 years. So when kids come in from lunch or recess, you know, anywhere where they were highly activated, a lot of them have trouble settling back into, you know, the the school day. So right. um, some schools are actually using a brief meditation break um, when the kids come in from that kind of activity, um, just to recenter them and ground them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's awesome. And I would love to see that all over the place. I think it would be, there's a quote, and I wish I could remember who said it, but the quote basically goes something like this. If we taught every child under eight years old to meditate, we would have world peace in 10 years. So that's definitely food for thought, huh? I just got chills all over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then let's see, um, unexpected benefits. I think... um, I was surprised to learn, let's start with that. I was actually surprised to learn that meditation um, earlier in life can actually help prevent age-related memory loss. And that's that's something that I'm dealing with with my parents right now. They're in their 90s and they're beginning to have some of those troubles. And so I was I was really excited to hear that the studies that they've done have shown that preventing age-related memory loss um, can really be promoted by by doing meditation on a regular basis. And that study I do remember because it was, you know, close to my heart, um, that study was done at UCLA. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, you know, if you're looking for I don't remember. That's not one of my fortes remembering, you know, who did the study or in what year. That's not important information at at this point. But that UCLA study uh, was close to my heart. So, you know, they do a lot around meditation at UCLA. They have programs that are all about meditation and the benefits and, and the science behind it. So that was that was something that surprised me. Um, some people might um, might be surprised to find out that regular meditation, like I said, even for 10 minutes a day, once a day on this study, can improve your sleep. So if you have trouble with insomnia or trouble, you know, if you can fall asleep, but you have a tendency to wake up before you should and not be able to go back to sleep, it's been shown that meditation um, really helps that as well, that improving sleep. Wow. And do you know, Dawn, not to cut you off, but do you know if that is meditation done before bed improves the sleep? Or is that kind of like all the other things we were talking about, like just that meditation every day or during the day will help promote healthier sleep? Or does it have to be before bed or anything like that? The studies that they've done um, have it's just doing it. It's just having that practice on a daily basis. And there wasn't really any, any time associated with it Um, from a practical standpoint. And from my own experience, Mm -hmm. meditating before bed significantly improves my sleep. Mm. So good to know. So either, either way, right. If you can do it before bed, great. And if you can't do it before bed, it's still going to improve your sleep. 
So that's a good thing to know. I feel like even just talking about these benefits so far, like we haven't even gotten into our other questions and it's like, why would you not meditate after hearing (laughs) all of this already? Like, how are you not convinced after all these benefits? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible. Yeah. Just, it's such a wonderful alternative to, um, you know, our Western medicine, our doctors and, and our medical people, don't learn those things, right? It's just not part of their curriculum. It's not, it's not their fault. I'm not, I'm not saying bad things about our, our medical system, but I sure. think that they're not taught those things. And I think that um, as individuals, as communities, as, you know, just globally, if we can learn some of these alternative methods to uh, keeping ourselves well, preventing you know, illness before we're treating disease. Um, I'm with you. I I don't know why anybody wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, because really, it's so low risk, right? And I'm a person Mm -hmm. like I, I advocate for everyone, you know, finding mental health, mental, emotional well being, and whatever means that looks like if it's if it's medicine, then, then great, right? If that's what works for you. But I think, you know, approaching it with like, maybe I'll try meditation, right? For all these different things. Or if you're having a hard time sleeping, or if you are stressed, your blood pressure is high. I'm not saying don't take blood pressure medication, but I mean, realistically in the, in the interim, right? Like in the beginning of that journey, why not? I, it costs nothing to meditate. It takes little time out of your day. Um, You know, there's nothing associated. There's, there's no financial burden. You don't have to buy anything. So it's like, yeah, go ahead, try it out. You know, if anything, maybe you'll get better sleep out of it. Maybe you'll be more relaxed, you know, like there's, there's just no risk to it. Right. There's so many benefits. And you know, I was just when you were saying that I was thinking another benefit that is really interesting to me, that's kind of unusual is it's been shown to improve your sense of empathy. And so if, you, if it improves your sense of empathy, and, and the way I believe it does that is because it allows you to consider um, perceptions that may be different from your own around things. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to open your mind to consider that maybe there's more than one way right. that something is or can be done or whatever. And so if you can take another person's opinion that maybe you don't agree with, but you can open your mind and you can use your sense of empathy to hear them out and maybe see where they're coming from, then you're going to improve your relationships. Yeah. You know, not just, you know, not just your partner relationships or your spouse relationships, but your relationships across the board, you know, it, it allows you to relate with a sense of empathy. And so that was an unusual one, I think. I love that. Another important one, I don't know if it's unusual or unexpected, but they really have made big gains in the field of addiction, Hmm. bringing meditation into treatment, um, treatment plans and, um, you know, teaching people guiding people through meditation and then teaching people how to do their, you know, do their own meditations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's been very effective um, for people with addiction. So that's a great one. That's a really important one, I think. Yeah, I could see that with, 
you know, you're talking about being able to open your mind to other experiences. You know, I, par- mm. I know part of the 12 steps is like knowing how your actions have affected other people. And so maybe that has a part in uh, helping in that way. But that's that's awesome. And yeah. Where can we not apply it at this point? Yeah, right. that's great. And to piggyback off that, I was thinking about, you know, the the few people that I've known personally um, in my life that struggle with addiction. Uh, my niece was a drug and alcohol counselor for a few years and was really passionate about it. But I think a, like a big part of, you know, being an addict, being addicted to something is that your mind is kind of always going and it's it's very fixated mm-hmm. on whatever, you know, that person's using, right? Whatever drug or alcohol, whatever it is. And just like, I, I would never have thought about that until you said it, but it makes perfect sense of like, well, yeah, if you kind of calm your mind down, right. And just slow the mind down a little bit and kind of put your yourself back in the driver's seat a little bit, it, you know, it might help. Yeah. Like those, those urges, right. Or those little messages coming in that we want that thing. So that makes absolute total sense to me. Yeah. Just realizing that you are, you are not your thoughts. You're the observer or the witness of right. your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that those thoughts you get to choose. Yeah. Um, an analogy that I really loved that I heard um, through acceptance and commitment therapy principles um, was using uh, billboards. Like you're driving in your car. You imagine a, like a movie in your mind. You're driving in your car and your thoughts are the billboards along the way. Hmm. And so just like billboards that are selling you something, right? They're selling you um, whatever it might be. You get to look at that billboard and then you get to choose whether you're going to buy that. Yeah. Buy that thought that they're selling you. So you put your thoughts, imagine your thoughts as billboards and you're passing them and you're just choosing not to buy those. Right. Right. You get to choose. So I love that. Yeah. It's a great visual. I'm a visual person. And so I was like, I love that. Yeah. No, same here. Um, And I think that's something like anyone and everybody can kind of take that and think about that and apply that a little bit. And it's just like a very interesting, I think, personal thought experiment for everyone to kind of try and do. Um, I know I will be thinking about that a little more often. Hopefully our listeners out there, you know, will think about that and put that into practice as well. But um, yeah, no, I just, I loved hearing about all those different benefits. Cause you know, like Brie mentioned, we've, we've talked a little bit about it. Um, but I think kind of going in depth and hearing some of those, which I was not at all familiar with, I was not at all familiar with, um, especially like memory loss over time, which mm-hmm. gosh, is something that is just so awful, right? Like Alzheimer's and things like that. And, um, just what, what a struggle, what a, what an awful thing for that person and loved ones to go through. But yeah, that's, it's really um, a really wonderful glimmer of hope to know that like, that's something that at least has made a little bit of an impact there, right? Whatever amount it's made, but yeah, very, very interesting. Um, so I want to ask you, like, what got you started in your meditation journey? How did you obtain your training? What was that process like? But kind of just going back to, to the beginning, like what got you interested in meditation, So I started my meditation journey probably about almost 10 years ago. And it's what I've come to know as synchronicity now um, that happens for me on a really regular basis, but I didn't recognize it for what it was. It was 
it was an ad on Facebook for meditation. Like it was a free meditation that you could just, you know, click on the button and it was a YouTube meditation. And for some reason at that point in time, I was intrigued. I think it was because I was going through something pretty challenging in my life and I was having a hard time um, focusing at work. You know, just it was, it was getting in the way. It was distracting me. And however this ad read, it was about that. It was, you know, how to refocus and not allow yourself to be distracted by big emotions or some something to that effect. And I clicked on it and I ended up taking, it was some kind of a mini course. It was an ad for it, of course. I bought the billboard <laughs> and, I, and I started it and I think it was, it was something like, a two-week course where you just learned meditation and there were 10-minute sessions and they just talked about the different kinds of meditation. It was more inf information than it was real meditation. Um, but the information intrigued me. And then over the years, I just started looking into it more. And, you know, good old Google, you can find so much information there. Um, and I decided, I'm trying to think it was about, I finished my course. So it was about two and a half years ago that I decided I really wanted to do that. Like it was something that was constantly on my mind and I was meditating just the basic, uh, meditation where I would listen to music or to, you know, a, a guided meditation and I didn't do it every day, but I was meditating and I decided that I really wanted to do it. So I took the training from Sura Flow Meditation Teacher Training. Um, it's a 300-hour certification course called Liberate. Wow. And the reason I chose Sura Flow was because um, I was very intrigued. Her method of guiding, teaching, and, and coaching meditation is kind of a softer, more effortless approach to meditation. It emphasizes relaxation and creative visualization. Most meditation was created way back in the day by men for men. And same thing with yoga. If you look back into it, there's the history is those things were created by men and men were the ones allowed to do them. Interesting. Yeah. They have significantly masculine characteristics. They're hard and you're supposed to be disciplined and you're supposed to, right. um, you know, it's, it's just got the masculine energy around it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have none of, none of the, the older meditation techniques have that softer, that feminine approach. And Sora believes that, you know, the yin and the yang, bringing those in balance is important in every aspect of life. And to bring forth a meditation style that includes both um, the self-discipline. I mean, you have to have some of those masculine characteristics and traits um, in your practice, right? You have to have enough self-discipline to maintain a practice and but it's, it's just a gentler and more effortless approach to meditation. It's so interesting because I feel like now it's 
led by women. And I think about the men in my life. I'm like, they would never, well, after listening to this episode, they'll be convinced to do it, (laughs) but uh, it doesn't feel like something now that is male dominated. So that's very interesting to know the history. Right. And that's, it's just, you can teach directly from your own experience um, through, through her teaching Mm -hmm. techniques and it's just a more effective, in my opinion, it's a more effective way to transmit the spirit of meditation to other people if you're guiding them or teaching them. Right. I would never thought about that history, you know, but I also want to ask you too, to kind of like, just, you know, pepper in another question. So when you started off, first off, I love that just the universe perfectly aligned and just gave you this Facebook ad and just got you interested in this. Um, so when you were, you know, kind of getting into that course, you're starting to learn, you were starting to incorporate meditation into your own day to day. Were you using, you said music as well, but some guided meditations, were these guided meditations that you were gaining through that course? Or were you kind of like going and just finding guided meditations to do? So part of the course is definitely meditations that she would provide for us and or a type of meditation that she would have us, you know, find and research online so that we could experience all the different styles of meditation because, you know, different people appreciate different styles of meditation. It's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Right. So she was very thorough in exposing us to all the different kinds of meditations by having us do the guided meditations um, that we actually would find ourselves. And she had us writing meditations. We had to write our own meditation scripts. We had to record our meditation scripts and post them to our fellow students. Um, it was it was a very thorough course. It was about 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow. it was, yeah, and it was a 300-hour course. So it was pretty intensive and I learned way more than I bargained for. And it was wonderful. I mean, I say that in the best way. Um, So yeah, what that was, she would guide us in meditation. We met weekly twice a week um, on Zoom and she would do guided meditations with us, different different kinds and different um, energy work and all kinds of things like that. So gosh, such a relaxing 10 hours a week. I'm like, wow, that yeah. is just, like that sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of work, but it was yeah. also, you know, you got to end it always on a good, great note. Right. So talking about the different types and how different meditations can be better for different folks, just kind of what suits your fancy there. Is there one element that every meditation should have or are they really also different that there's no one common denominator there? I would say that one element that every meditation should have probably has would be um, a focus. And I say that because I'm I'm thinking here, like all the meditations I lead, there's a focus on something and that's how you get out of your head, Mm -hmm. right? That's how you release that monkey mind and get into actually, you can drop into meditation. 
um, is by that focus. And many times it's the breath, whether it's just witnessing the breath or whether it's a count, you know, it's counting breath work. There's so much breath work Mm -hmm. um, that you can practice so many different techniques of breath work. Um, And so it's often the breath. It can be your body, like body scans is a good example of your focus being out of your mind and in your body. That's where you're focusing. So a focus on something, you can do a candle flame where you're focusing on that, um, a particular feature on a piece of art. So there's there's a lot of focus um, involved and, and you can use that focus because in meditation, that's really what meditation is. You try to drop in, you try to get out of your mind, you try to still your thinking and we're human and our mind is runs us most of the time. We don't usually run our mind, our mind runs us. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get to that place where, you know, you're making those choices and you're running the show and eventually the mind will take over especially before you had a ton of practice at it. Um, It takes over. And so when you recognize that that's happened, that you're distracted somehow, then you use whatever that focus is as an anchor to bring you back to your meditation. Mm. And and that's that's perfectly normal and okay. Because the minute you recognize that you've become distracted, you have come, you've, dropped out of your mind to recognize that. Right. So, yeah, I would say focus and as an anchor. Yeah. That's a good way to think about that too. Like even that realization, right? That like, oh, I got a little away from myself here. Bring it back. It's like even doing that, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're kind of overcoming that, that distraction as you call it, but our mind kind of getting in the way of us being mindful and present because, I mean, it's very ironic because I feel like that is so hard and I'm just going to speak for my experience, but I feel like a lot of people might echo the same kind of sentiment here, but I feel like sometimes that's so hard. Like I go through a lot of my day and sometimes I kind of look back and I'm like, wow, like even that drive home from work, like I was, I was driving the car, but I don't even know if I was really present driving the car or if I was doing something cleaning, whatever. It's like all of a sudden I feel like I check in afterwards and I was like, I'm checked out that entire time. Right. Like, mm-hmm. And kind of missing all these opportunities to practice that mindfulness or to be mindful, be present and be in the moment, you know? And so, yeah, I feel like that's, you know, such a great kind of thing to, to talk about, right? When we, you know, are discussing like, what is every, what should every meditation have? It's like, yeah, that, that focus, that mindfulness. And as maybe easy as that sounds when talking about this, like, yeah, no, it's really not, you know, <laughs> like a large part of my day, I am not being mindful. So <laughs> I don't think meditation's any different unless we're really focused on that. That's where that billboard tip comes in also. Yes. Is like, you have to focus on the road and not on the billboards, right? We'll just keep right. that Mm-hmm. That analogy going there. Yeah. I had someone in, in my meditation um, the other day say, it's so easy to be mindful when you're being guided. Mm-hmm. And even if you sit down and meditate and you bring yourself into the present moment, that's so easy. But why can't I do it the rest of the day? Right. I find myself not doing the tasks that I have mindfully. I'm just you know, almost on autopilot, right? Yeah. 
It, it's fascinating. You know, it's fascinating how our mind, it does just kind of take over and it just gets us where we need to be. It gets us through cooking dinner. It gets us through that drive home. It gets us, you know, whatever, whatever it looks like. And it's just a very interesting thing to think about. So Don, my next question for you, and I'm going off script right now because now uh -oh. I got a lot of wheels, <laughs> a lot of wheels are turning, right? Um, and I'm thinking, and back in the beginning, you talked about how singing is a form of meditation because of this, you know, this vagus nerve stimulation that's going on, which I never knew that. So I'm going to play a quick game sure. called, is it meditating? And I'm just going to list Ooh. some things. <laughs> and I want you to say if that's an opportunity or if that could be a meditation or not. Okay. Um, number one, cleaning is cleaning could cleaning be a meditation so cleaning could definitely be a meditation um and it's a mindfulness meditation because when you're cleaning um if you're really paying attention to what you're doing mm -hmm. and you're being mindful about that task that's definitely a mindfulness meditation same thing yeah washing your dishes if you're paying attention to how the soap feels on the plate and the texture of the sponge and you're seeing the colors and you're using your sensory, mm. you know, aspects to be in the present moment with that dish that you're washing. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's mindfulness for sure. So just knowing that and knowing that, you know, the, even the cleaning of the dishes, I'm going to just assume that cooking could also be a meditative process. I would have to say that if you enjoy it. <laughs> That's the caveat. Yes. <laughs> if you like I cooking. Think automatically, if you enjoy cooking, I think it's automatically meditation, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that if you don't necessarily enjoy cooking and would like to learn to enjoy it more, that you could apply the mindfulness technique to your cooking, you know, really paying attention when I used to really despise prepping food. I liked right. to cook it once it was all prepped, but I really didn't like the prepping part. Yeah. And over, over time, you can really enjoy prepping. You can really, like, you can look at the food, really see the food. You can smell the food. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's, it definitely can be. If you're paying close attention and you think about, I guess, what I would say is if I didn't like to cook and I wanted to learn to like it more is that while I was doing those tasks um, that you may not enjoy and why you might not like to cook, if you can just think about where did that food come from, from the very beginning mm. and how did it get to where it is right now? Right. You know, somebody had to grow it and then somebody had to pick it and then somebody had to truck it and then I feel like that would make me nervous to not burn it like I usually do <laughs> I'm talking about the part. <laughs> okay he's like too much pressure <laughs> well I have another note on the line of uh, cooking so I just completed a class so that we can offer a co-parenting class here in Alpine County it's an evidence-based program and part of the session is to teach mindfulness and the way that they have you teach mindfulness is to give your participant a raisin 
and to have them close their eyes and really evaluate that raisin like they just dropped in from Mars and they've never seen that texture of that food before and really noticing all of the like ridges and everything and then you Mm -hmm. actually like put it in your mouth and notice like your salivary glands starting to activate and then you mindfully swallow it so that you can be aware of like how it's passing down in your body. So even this evidence-based parenting class, they were talking about mindfulness and Donna, it it looks like you were familiar with that exercise. Yeah, actually I I took back when I was uh, with the school district, I did the, um, MBSR, the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction course that was taught by John Kabat-Zinn, who is, you know, one of the front runners and, you know, a pretty well-known name now um, in the game of mindfulness. He's the origin, one of the original people. And he did that in that training. Okay. We, did, we did the raisin thing. So yeah, I'm aware of it. So yeah, it's, it's not something I think that you would have ever done before that, right? Right, right. Absolutely not. And I do love raisins, but there's never been a time where I really just sat with that raisin, you know, and like Mm -hmm. counted the ridges or did any of that. So absolutely. And that actually answered my next, um, is it meditation question? I was going to ask about eating, but it seems like we've, we've clearly covered that totally is (laughs) tuning you in. And there's a few other ways to do that. I mean, I feel like I could just keep playing the game and giving you examples, but what it seems like it really comes down to is that pretty much anything that you find to be somewhat enjoyable can be a meditation in some way. And I think the underpinning there is just being very intentional about it and being very connected to what you're doing. I mean, I don't know if you could expand on that or if there's anything, actually, are there any activities that you don't think could ever be a meditation? Or is it really just kind of subjective in that way? I think it's probably is subjective in that way. Just like, I mean, a lot of people, like, for example, take someone who is a runner, Mm -hmm. right? And they get their runner's high and they, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just how they, that's their thing. And, you know, their running is their meditation. Yeah. Um, And like you said, any, pretty much anything that you find somewhat enjoyable, you hit the nail on the head. If you can connect to it and be mindful throughout doing it, then it's definitely a form of meditation. Yeah. And I think that probably is very helpful for people out there to know because, you know, for someone that maybe has not practiced meditation, it's just in the beginning of the journey. I feel like there's sort of this misconception that you have to be sitting you know, crisscross applesauce with your eyes closed. You have to have your hands in this little position, right? You have to have the incense going. Like, I think there's this almost cartoonish version of meditating. And I think that's what maybe a lot of people see it as, right? And so they think to themselves, you know, I maybe don't feel like it, or I don't have time for this. I don't have time to create that space. But in reality, it's like, we could all be creating these spaces. It's as easy as just taking the things you're already doing and adding that air of mindfulness to it, just really dialing into that moment and connecting with your breath and just connecting with whatever it is you're doing at the time. So I love that we played my new fun game show, Is It Meditation, which <laughs> will now be, you know, be pitching to to Fox and NBC, you know. Um, but 
really though, I think, I think that's a great thing to think about, um, you know, for anyone out there is really just what can you just dial into further and get all these awesome benefits from, because we know there's so many when it comes to meditation. Right. And just finding something that you lose track of time doing. Mm. If you can think of something that you love to do so much that you lose track of time when you do it, that you're in the zone and that's, that's meditation and do more of it. We talked about that in our self-care episode, right? Is that where we talked about it? Our very first episode. And that's what we said. The best self-care is something that you just lose yourself. So self-care is meditation. All self-care is meditation is what we're hearing. Yeah. I would have to agree with you on the, I think if, if there was something that I would love people to know about meditation, it would be that it's accessible to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Right. Um, even if it's just three deep breaths, mm-hmm. that's a form of meditation. And you're, you know, because what you're doing, how you're reducing the stress in your body and why it's so beneficial is because you are disengaging from what most of us are in most of the time. And that's our sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. That is our fight, flight, or freeze. Um, and, and it's become pretty chronic right. for so many people. And if you can just engage your parasympathetic, that rest and digest part of your nervous system that, you know, let your body know it's safe, mm-hmm. that it can, you know, it, it can just be calm and it can let its guard down. Um, that's, that's where the benefit is. And that's where, where the breath work comes in and where doing something that you really enjoy, like we were just talking about, or doing something maybe that you don't enjoy so much, but adding mindfulness to doing it. um, All of those things put, put your body into that uh, parasympathetic state Mm. to where it's, it allows itself to relax. It allows itself to repair. Yeah. And I feel like we're not reminded of that really ever. That stereotype of the monk on the mountain mm-hmm. is just so it's, it's out there, but I would love if I could tell people one thing, that would be it that you can, ex- you can access meditation anywhere, anytime. So when folks aren't accessing it on their own time and they're actually taking the class from you or the guided meditation from you, are there any challenging parts to providing meditation to groups of folks or what's your favorite part about that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of different needs that come up and questions. So I'm curious about the facilitation side of it. It can be a challenge to choose meditations to do with people when they have different preferences. Um, That's probably one of the only challenges I've run across is if you, for, let's see, let me see if I can think of a good example. There are lots of meditations around angels, archangels, um, things like that. And I'm always exploring those things. And I'm pretty open to, to trying any different kind of subject matter sometimes people don't connect with that. And so it won't be one of the best 
guided sessions that they feel they've had because they were, weren't able to connect with what I was talking about. Right. So the challenge is just to really build that relationship and connect with the people so that you know those things about them. And then it's a lot easier to design a meditation uh, that works for everybody. But that, that was probably the only big challenge other than being scared to death in the beginning. <laughs> Imposter syndrome. <laughs> oh, yeah, we both, Brie and I have both been in in that situation with imposter syndrome, we have a whole episode mm-hmm. about that and talked, <laughs> talked a lot about that. So, oh yeah, we, we understand that fully, but that makes sense though. You know, I think we've just kind of been echoing this um, time and time again with this conversation, but it's all about just connecting to it. And so yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense that that would be an obstacle, right? It's a group of people and just finding the, the flow, the content of it, whatever you're doing that they all really feel in some way connected to. And then, but, and here's the beautiful part, this group that's been with me for about a year and a half now going on a year and a half, Wow, um, they're much more open-minded Sure. than when I found that challenge, when I discovered that challenge of like, oh, everybody's really not going to like this particular type of meditation. They're just mm-hmm. not, everybody's going to connect to it. So learning your audience and in my case, that's possible because we meditate and we actually are meditating. They asked for a Wednesday meditation to keep them connected. And so we meditate now three times a week. And that's lovely. Yeah. So but they they've become much more open minded. And so that's my favorite part is the connection that I can build with people that want to learn how to meditate, want to deepen their practice if they already meditate, the sense of community that we have even on Zoom is mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, and, and sharing the insights that they have after meditation and just seeing them grow. Right. Watching them grow as human beings, they really do. So that's my favorite part. I love that. And you know what's funny? I used to actually, so when I was um, still living in Tahoe and I was teaching, anywhere I went consistently, so the middle school, the high school, and at that time, the juvenile treatment center. Um, I incorporated a guided meditation at the end of every single one of my classes. And it was funny because, you know, day one, I would tell them like, hey, just so you know, this is what we're doing. Um, And of course, you know, I'd have some, some young people, right, that would immediately kind of like just, oh, okay, like maybe they had done it before, or maybe they hadn't, but they were so ready to kind of just like, fall right into that experience and get cozy and shut their eyes. And you could just tell they were really, really into it. And then of course I'd have some people that were kind of like looking around as everyone's closing their eyes or looking at me like, lady, is this really what we're, are you serious? This is what we're doing. Um, It's just so fascinating to see like, you know, day after day, class after class of us doing this, there was always such a huge turnaround. Like by my last you know, class of the eight week program or the six week program, I feel like everyone was into it. It didn't matter what kind of guided meditation I was doing, you know, like everyone in the room, it seemed like really just had that moment and got into it and just let themselves, right. Be a part of that moment. It wasn't like weird anymore. Cause you know, how high schoolers are right. If you're doing something that might be a little bit out of the box, it's like, Oh God, you know, everyone's going to be, be cool. Right. Everyone's going to know I closed my eyes and did the thing, you know, so, but by the end of it, yeah, it was really, really cool to see their progression with it. And I would increase the time a little bit too, like every 
class pretty much. Um, and by the end of it, I mean, yeah, I had them meditating for a good 10 minutes and they were just all like, just so, so focused, so dialed in. And I loved seeing that, you know, cause yeah. like we talked about earlier um, with, you know, more schools incorporating that. I mean, what a fantastic coping skill. You have yes. people that's young people, right? That there's still brain development going on. There's still confusion around, you know, consequences and things like that. And there, and just the hormones and all of those actions that come out of having those hormonal changes. And so giving them that as a tool, right? Like how empowering that they know, you know, if I'm getting really stressed or if things are happening or if I'm not having a good day for whatever reason, this is something I have access to. It's super easy. It's free. And I can do it at any time, you know, just a, a wonderful skill for young people to have. I agree 100%. So out of curiosity, Dawn, and we kind of talked about this a little earlier. We talked about the sleep benefit for meditation. But do you think or do you know, is there any better time of the day to meditate? Like, does it does it matter? You know, I, I know there's a lot of people, they like to start their day with the morning meditation that sets the tone. Some people, it's midday, right? Ground them, kind of bring them back. Some people at night, maybe for sleep or just that wind down. But do you think there's any kind of better time of the day that people should lean into as part of their meditation time? I would say that consistency is more important than the time. I think that whatever works for you at whatever time of the day or night or middle of the night that it might be, depending on your work schedule, depending, I mean, people's lives are all so different and, and complicated that I think whatever time works for you, mm -hmm. do it then because you're much more apt to be consistent with it. And the more consistency you can build, that's why it's called a practice, right? It's a yeah. meditation practice and we need to have consistency with it. And that's where you're gonna see the great benefits is with your consistency, whether it's 10 minutes once a day or whether it's 30 minutes twice a day, you know, whatever you can fit and whatever works for you and your personality, um, just do it. Yeah. But I don't think that there's a particular time. Um, I think if you have problems sleeping, then it makes sense to meditate before you go to sleep. Um, and even if that meditation isn't sitting on a cushion, mm -hmm. um, you know, using the mudras or whatever, if even if that's just brushing your teeth mindfully, mm -hmm. washing your face mindfully, setting some you know, some music, some calming music up while you do those things. Right. Um, or just listening to music, sitting and listening to music with your eyes closed. Anything that's like that, anything that you can do, like we talked about, anything can, can that you do mindfully can become a meditation. And so it's just a matter of being consistent with your practice, whatever that practice is. Yeah. For my parents out there who think they don't have time to be consistent with a meditation practice, mm -hmm. I challenge you to find something that you can just be mindful about throughout the day. And so one thing I was thinking of was maybe it's at a stoplight and, mm -hmm. you know, your kid has a snack and so they're cheerfully quiet in the back seat, right? We all love those times. And you can keep your eyes open, please. But you can keep your, you know, 
feel the wheel under your hands, feel the seat kind of cushioning you in, maybe wiggle your toes a little bit. There's opportunities throughout the day to do that even briefly. And I think, I think Don has really encouraged all the benefits it could provide to us. I think, especially as parents, um, something that could help both us and our kids. So it's worth finding the time for. Yeah, a hundred percent. So since we've talked about meditation and all the benefits, I am really excited to receive my first guided meditation from Dawn right now. Um, I might fall asleep, just giving you a warning. (laughs) Speaking of parenting. But no, I will stay very focused and mindful and my brain will be active on only the billboards I choose. So uh, Don, would you be ready to lead us into a meditation? Absolutely. And we'll use a little bit of, we'll use our imagination and some creative visualization here. So it, it shouldn't put you to sleep. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. So typically in in the guided meditations that I do, we've all decided that we turn our cameras off for them because we're less self-conscious when we do that. So if you want to turn your cameras off. All right. So let's see if we can get ourselves as comfortable as possible in whatever seat or chair that you're in. And if your feet are on the floor... Make sure that they're not touching and that they're firmly on the floor. Put a little bit of time into getting your seat completely comfortable. Just see if you can get five or 10% more comfort in your seat. Your hands can just rest on your thighs. Your palms can be up if you're feeling like receiving. You can place your palms down if you're more into being grounded right now. And see if you can elongate your spine just a little bit. Just feeling like maybe you have a string at the top of your head that could be pulled up just a little bit. Separate those vertebrae. And sit as straight as is comfortably possible for you. Allow your shoulders to fall down your back. Release the tension out of them. You can close your eyes or have a soft gaze kind of a lazy gaze at something in front of you. And take a nice deep breath in through your nose and exhale through your mouth. And another. And one more. And then just allow your breath to return to its normal rhythm. 
just following your breath in and out. Feel the temperature of the air as it moves in through your nostrils. Noticing where your breath lands in your body. Could be in your chest or your belly, depending on how deeply you're breathing. And now just drop out of your head, out of your mind, and into your body. And imagine that from where you're seated, at your seat, and through your feet, that you have a grounding cord. It's like the trunk of a tree. And this grounding cord can be whatever you're visualizing, whatever color, whatever thickness. But imagine that grounding cord moving through your seat, through your feet, down into the ground. And as it moves into the ground, you're growing roots. Your grounding cord is growing roots. And those roots are moving down through the layers of the earth, through the soil, through the rock. They're spreading out sideways, a little shallower at the top. Those roots are growing all the way down through the layers of the earth to the crystalline core at the center of the earth. When you arrive, when your roots arrive at the core of the earth, imagine sending those roots around that core, wrapping them around that core three times. And once you've done that, give those roots an energetic pull from the earth here, just to secure them. And scan down through those roots one more time, just seeing what they look like, what they feel like, what you imagine that crystalline core at the center of the earth to be like. And notice what it feels like to be grounded with Mother Earth. And now imagine bringing the Earth's energy, that nurturing, beautiful, oxygenating, mineralizing energy in from the Earth, up through your roots, and into your body. Bringing that Earth energy 
up through your feet, into your legs, swirling energy. Imagine it moving up through your hips, into your torso, surrounding all your organs, nurturing all the cells in your body, bringing it on up into your chest, into your heart space, breathing in that energy, allow it to move through your arms and to your fingertips, bringing it up into your neck and your head, just filling the whole body with the earth's energy. And now allow the energy from the earth to move back down and clearing and cleansing your body of any tension, any tightness or pain, any energy from other people that's not serving you, just allowing that energy to move down through your body, back out through your feet, down your grounding cord and roots, just sending it down into the earth. Allowing anything that's not serving you to be recycled by the earth into something good. And breathing in a deep breath and allowing that exhalation to go down through your feet, through your roots, clearing out any remnants of anything that doesn't feel good. And now imagine that above your head, there's a big golden sun. And you're gonna expand that sun by calling back any energy of yours, your very own essence, your own energy that you've left with other people in other places. Just imagine and visualize calling your energy back into this golden sun above your head. Get that energy back from people who have drained you or tasks that have drained you. Bringing it back in above your head. Watching that sun get bigger and bigger, fuller and fuller of your own life energy. Now imagine that energy is moving into the crown of your head. You can kind of visualize it like warm honey, golden, light, golden color, just pouring through the crown of your head, filling up your head, your neck, flowing down into your arms and fingers, moving down through your torso, through your heart, surrounding all your organs, 
moving all the way down through your legs into your feet. Just see if you can sense what your energy, your essence feels like when you're absolutely full of it. And now imagine grounding your energy to the energy of the earth, grounding them together. Feeling your body full of your essence. Noticing any sensations, energetic sensations in your body. You might have tingling. Your breath may have changed. And just allow yourself to use your senses, your sound, sounds around you. Begin to hear those to bring yourself back into the room. Noticing what you can smell. Feeling the contact that your body's making with the surface beneath it. Feeling of your feet on the floor. If you're sitting in a chair. Just bringing your awareness back to the present moment in the room that you're in. And then when you feel ready, gently open your eyes. Thank you for allowing me to guide you in meditation. Thank you so much for that. Um, I have to say I'm so happy my camera was off because I think I was like in that sleep mode where I think like my mouth was just open and my head was back in. <laughs> oh my God. I, I honestly feel like I just woke up from like a five hour nap. That was incredible. So thank you so much. Um, I know our listeners out there that join us every episode that, you know, meditate with us. I'm sure it was really a treat for them as well, just to get a whole other level of meditation at the end here and hear a fantastic, very calming, by the way, new voice lead them in the meditation as well. So, oh, that was, that was what I needed today. I'll tell you. Side note, I had like a very stressful work day today. And just thinking about this episode earlier, like getting through kind of the peaks of the stress today, I was thinking about doing this episode, thinking about it, started to calm me down because I was like, listen, you know, that's the end. And you get to end on that little high note. Between that and having this amazing discussion with you and then going through that meditation, I feel like an entirely new person. So cannot thank you enough. I thank you guys for having me on. This was this was an honor to be asked to uh, work with you on your podcast. And it was a fun conversation too. Absolutely. And the honor, it's on our end as well for you being here. We really appreciate you. And, you know, before we close out, I want to ask you, do you have any 
tips, any advice? And I know we've shared a lot throughout the episode, but do you have anything additional um, for anyone out there who's maybe embarking on their own meditation journey, who's struggling to find that consistency with practicing? My best advice would be to offer yourself some grace. Mm. You know, give yourself some love. You're, what you're doing is you're, you're doing something for yourself. You're loving on yourself when you meditate or when you're trying to learn and, and be consistent. Those two things. Give yourself grace. If you are so distracted that you have to bring yourself back to your breath, you know, 50 times in five minutes, that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's the fact that you're doing it. You're bringing it back. You're giving yourself that time and that love. And so offer yourself some grace and be consistent with your practice, even if you start out five minutes a day, because anybody can do five minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be my best advice. I was realizing doing that specific meditation that one, I need to increase my practice of this, but also... I like that you said to give myself grace because I was realizing when you said to collect all that energy we had given to other people and then to like give it back mm -hmm. to ourselves, I found myself in a space where that was hard to do because I was like, no, I gave it to the other people. Like I, I it's yeah. theirs. I gave it to them. It's not <laughs> supposed to come back to me. And so I'm like, hmm, okay, we need to work on more self-care because we're giving too much of ourselves to others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had that, that realization during that. Um, so thank you so much for that. And I, I think we forgot to mention at the beginning that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. So this is the perfect yes. time. I'm glad we could fit this in during May. Um, and we hope that our listeners out there are encouraged to also incorporate more meditation into their lives, whether or not you had the realization that I did during the meditation. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of information below um, in our show notes on the benefits of breath work. Um, we'll have some examples of guided meditations and apps that you can also uh, subscribe to or download to help you on this journey. But again, you don't need anything. You can just be mindful in your everyday life. Thank you so much, Dawn, for being here, sharing all of your valuable insight today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll hope you join us for our next conversation.